the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. In today's episode, we're sharing a presentation from MaxLawCon 2022. Keep listening to hear Gwen Stewart as we share her talk, Mindfulness, a Lawyer's Greatest Tool. You can also head to the Maximum Lawyer YouTube channel to watch the full video. Now to the episode. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. It sounds like I have more than 168 hours in my week, and I'm going to share with each and every one of you how I do that, so you too can do that. But before we get started, I want to take a moment to thank all the people who got us here, Tyson, Jim, Becca, the AV folks, the people on the backside that we don't even know about. This has been an enormous project that takes forever to get it off the ground, and it has happened. It has materialized. They, in Tyson's words, have just done it. Also, I want to take a moment to recognize that you all got here. I know that's a big deal. You have firms and families and clients and stuff going on in your lives that is difficult for you to take some time and get yourselves here. So congratulations, you made it. Okay, so I'm going to talk today about mindfulness been a big word in our country the last, I don't know, couple decades. Who has heard the word mindfulness? Let me see. Maybe who has not heard the word mindfulness? All right. So even though in America, we have been talking about mindfulness for only, I don't know, 20-ish years, let me express that it has been around for thousands of years. It is a tried and true method. Once you know how to practice mindfulness, you too can garner the wisdom of what's been around for thousands of years. It's a little confusing. Mindfulness, at least whenever I go looking at the books, or I don't go to a bookstore anymore, I go to Amazon or I go to whatever my thing is and I look in mindfulness. There is mindfulness of golf, mindfulness of eating, mindfulness of parenting, There's a mindfulness for everything. But I'm going to teach you and talk today about the quintessential mindfulness, and that is mindfulness of mind. So in order to do that, let's talk first about what is the mind, which, by the way, it is not the brain. Brain is up here. The mind, well, we can't talk about that today. The mind is not the brain. 
But the mind has three aspects. There is activity, there is stillness, and then there is awareness of activity and stillness. Now, I'm going to suggest that every single one of us, and I know every one of you, I talk to many, many, many attorneys, you are well-skilled, well-versed, well-tooled in the activity of mind. This is where we do all the things like thinking and planning and organizing and researching and considering and remembering. This is the stuff that we do. And when we do it all well at the end of the day, we tick off all the boxes, we get little dopamine hits, we feel good about what we've done. And also our clients feel good about what we've done and we get things moving forward. This is activity, but it's only one area of the brain, my friends. And because most of us don't know that the other two areas exist, we're kind of like, you know, a little lopsided. So stillness is a very natural, innate part of what our mind can do. But we, the words that describe stillness are things like samadhi, nirvana, luminous emptiness. Anybody heard any of those words? Yes. Okay. And does anybody know what they mean? Because I have been searching for quite a while. What does this feel like to be in luminous emptiness? It feels like peace. Yes. It feels like peace. But the tricky thing is we can't get to peace by activity. But we don't know that. So we keep being active to try to get to peace. So I think we know what activity is. We know what stillness is. Let's talk a little bit about what awareness is. This is where mindfulness hangs out. It means that we are in the present. So I can't be mindful of what I'm going to eat for dinner because uh, that's later. I can be mindful right now of standing on this stage, seeing all of your faces, talking to you. That's my current mindfulness. So it has to be present. It also needs to be accepting. Now, that's a tough one because most of us have preferences. We like certain things. We don't like certain things. I'll get back to that in a minute. So it needs to be accepting of whatever is happening at the moment in reality. And the third item is that it needs to, if we're going to practice mindfulness, we need to have a kind of a focus, we could say, an object. And when our mind goes somewhere else, because it will, we just recognize and come back. And I'm going to say more about that, so don't worry. Three items. Be what? Presence. Be what? Accepting. And be what? Focused. Don't drift. Okay, so let me talk a minute about mindlessness, because that's what we've all been doing for eons. In fact, we're born into a very odd situation. We are the most dependent mammals on the planet. And we know this, right? Like little birds can be in a nest and they go fly within days or weeks or something. All the other mammals can sort of get up and get themselves out. But we have to hang around with caregivers for years. And so what that creates in our nervous systems, in our DNA, is a process by which we look outside of ourselves all the time for information. 
you know, I'm hungry. I need a nap. I need to be picked up, cared for. We can see how that works. Now, the problem with that, you can probably recognize, is that if we are looking outside of ourselves to figure out what's going on in here, we're actually looking at the effect to determine the cause. That's backwards. That is an inaccurate data point. Because if I look out, and I am looking at all of you, I look out and I see some people looking at me. I see some people on your phones. I see some people writing. I could say, I could interpret that to be, they're not liking what I'm saying. I must be saying something wrong. Is that true? No. Maybe it means you're studying for the bar. Maybe it means you have an emergency. Maybe it means your knee hurts. But if I look at you and I try to gather information about me, I've begun a trend in my data point that is inaccurate. And that, of course, wastes a lot of time. We only have, who knows how many hours we have each week? 168. That is my favorite number. 168. No more, no less. I have been trying forever to create more time. I can't do that. So I decided to practice mindfulness instead. All right, so I want to say another couple things about mindlessness, and then we're going to move on. Mindlessness can feel like a lot of activity. Because we have preferences, we have things that we hold close. We have things that we push away. And the problem with that system is it's not sustainable. And in fact, when we push away all the things we don't like over and over and over and over and over and over for months and years and decades then it becomes overwhelming. And guess what we do at that point? Anybody have a, a theory? Shut down. What else? Escape. I know you've done other things. I will say them for you because I can appreciate you might be embarrassed. So this is when we get overwhelmed and we do things like drink and shop and eat and exercise and look at porn. And did I say exercise? And we do all the things for a little reprieve. Now, the consequences later might really suck. We get the credit card bill. We have a partner that finds out about infidelity. We wake up hungover. Our ability to manifest in our job decreases. But we're willing to kick that can down the road because we want a little break, right? And we all do this. This is not a moral deficit. This is not an issue about your character. This is because, my friends, you don't know that you actually have access to peace. You already have it. You just don't know how to do it. So back to mindlessness, it can sometimes feel like a lot of activity, like we're checking the boxes, we're getting stuff done. It can feel like a lot of, eh, I'm floating on top of things and they're all going to fall apart. It can feel like disconnection from self. It can feel like something isn't quite working. It can also feel like, this is great. I'm a rock star. So for example, right now, how many of you today have recognized that you're walking around in air? Probably none. And why is that? Because we don't have the contrast. If I would flood this room right now with water and we wouldn't have air, we would recognize immediately, right? It's the contrast. So let's talk about the contrast to this sort of lifestyle of mindlessness. 
Are you ready to unlock your full growth potential both professionally and personally? The Guild Maximum Lawyers exclusive community of legal entrepreneurs invites you to our upcoming in-person mastermind event in Miami, Florida. There's something truly extraordinary about the breakthroughs that occur when you're physically present, working through your business and mindset challenges in real time. By attending our mastermind, you'll engage in deep discussions, share experiences, and receive expert guidance from our coaches and fellow law firm owners who understand the unique challenges and opportunities within the legal industry. This collaborative atmosphere fuels creativity, accelerates problem solving, and stimulates innovative thinking. Investing in your personal and professional development through attending an in-person mastermind is an investment in yourself and in your future. The breakthroughs, knowledge, and strategies you'll acquire are priceless assets that can transform your practice and propel you towards your goals. Visit MaxLawEvents.com today to join the guild, reserve your spot, and secure your ticket at the best possible price. I'm going to teach you right now how to practice mindfulness, and then we're going to come back and talk about it a little bit longer. So take maybe a good posture, and by that I mean if I were sitting down right now, I would sit with my feet flat on the ground, and you don't have to be super rigid about this. There's nothing I ever talk about that is super rigid. But you can sit with your feet flat on the ground so your body can be comfortable. Kind of put your hands on your thighs. You can do this with your eyes open or closed. It doesn't really matter, whatever you're comfortable with. And I'm going to actually do this with you. I'm going to kind of lean on this for a moment. See, I can already feel the peace in my system because I practice this every day. So eyes open or closed. Take a moment right now and notice inside of your body what you might be thinking about. Good thoughts, bad thoughts, it doesn't matter. Just notice what they are. Because we're kind of working at the top of that triangle. We're not, we don't really care what the activity is. What we're doing is noticing it. So notice your thoughts. Allow them to be present. Allow yourself to accept them. Now notice feelings. That can include emotions, sensations in the physical body. Again, noticing, accepting. You could be bored, totally fine. You could be ecstatic, totally fine. And now with precision, let's place our attention on our breath. This can be at the nostrils, maybe the chest expanding and collapsing, the diaphragm doesn't matter. Just pick a place and stay right there. And the mind will go away. It will drift. It will be snagged by something. When that happens, no biggie. We notice. We bring our mind back to the breath. Sit like this for a moment. Things inside your system might change. Totally fine. We just notice it. Something comes up that you like. Don't hold on to it. Something arises that you don't like. No need to push it away. We can even imagine that we're at the bottom of a big body of water. Maybe a lake or an ocean or a pond. And we can see all the weather up above. We can see the sun or the rain. But we're not really affected by it down below. 
be in that peaceful, calm state of stillness. Okay, let's come back now into the activity of mind and let's do a quick, anybody want to share a word or two about what you might have experienced or what you did experience actually? Anything that you want to express in that short snippet of stillness? And not really stillness, but mindfulness of potential stillness. Calm. Relaxed. Nice. Who could use a little more relaxation in this world? Who could use a little more calm in this world? Okay, what else? Focused. Anybody need a little more focus in your life, in your practice, in your law practice, in your family life? What else? Slowed down. Now, we only have 168 actual hours. And yet, if we can have the experience of those 168 slowing down, might that be worth it? I know for me, a lot of times it is. What else? I'm not hearing anything on the sort of negative side. Like, did anybody wonder if you were doing it right? Yes, perfect. I'm so glad you said that. So that is often what happens when we start to quiet our mind. And that's why people say things like, oh, mindfulness practice doesn't work. It made me worse. All right, so who here has ever had a puppy that you've tried to train? Yes. Now, when I had puppies, they were as big as me. And so when they didn't do the right thing, there was no ability for me to like pick them up and move them. I had to train them. And when I tried to make them sit and stay, what did they do? They got up and left. And then I'd say, sit and stay, they'd get up and leave. It goes on and on and on and on. And so exactly what you expressed is kind of like, we have to train our minds to sit and stay, kind of like a puppy. And in the beginning, it gets a little rebellious. Because remember, it has been doing activity 24-7. Oh, by the way... Our mind doesn't quit being active while we're asleep. It keeps going, which is why we're completely depleted and exhausted because we are 24-7 on overload all the time. So in the beginning, when we try to shape or train our mind to not be active, it will rebel. It will say, oh, I've been gone for three days and my clients and my this and my that. And it will say, let's don't do this mindfulness practice. Let's just go do the things. And we also get a great dopamine hit when we do the things. So that's why a lot of us don't practice mindfulness. It's hard. It's actually quite a rebellious type of experience to say, I'm not going to do the things. Now, I mean, we all do the things, but we can't do them all the time. And I can assure you that if we take a few minutes and practice this kind of thing, all the things will be much better for it, will be better for it. We'll have moments of calm, of peace, of relaxation, of realizing that we're not just a machine trying to churn out more stuff. So the other thing that this does, this mindfulness business, is when we learn how to look internally at ourselves, and we realize, e. So here's an example. Every day in my office at about 3.30 or 4, I work all day, I meet with people. Around 3.30 or 4, 
I decide it's the perfect time to have a piece of chocolate. And, you know, I didn't really think about it. I just eat the chocolate. And then one day I thought, huh, I wonder why I do that. What's that about? Let me bring some mindfulness to that. Let me be curious about what I'm doing. Now, the reality is it's probably not that big of a deal, except that my chocolate budget is, you know, outrageous. And if I want to try to lose weight, that doesn't help. So I have to be sort of conscious of what I'm doing. So I started examining what happens at 3.30 or 4. Why am I reaching for this? And I realized it's because I'm kind of tired. And I'm also kind of feeling like I need a break and I deserve a treat. Anybody else ever had those experiences? I deserve. I think living in our consumer, materialistic-driven society, we all get told a gazillion times every day that we deserve this or that or whatever. And then guess what? They brainwash us and we go buy it. You deserve those shoes. You deserve that trip. You deserve this whatever. Fill in the blank. Well, for me, at 3.30 or 4, I thought I deserved a piece of chocolate. So then when I realized actually what I need is, I don't know, a little pep of energy and maybe to recognize that I've been working really hard, then I can give myself those in a different way. So a, a way that doesn't, you know, increase my calories or increase my chocolate budget. I mean, this is a pretty silly example because it's not that big of a deal. But there are other examples that we all have. And if you look in your lives, you can find them. So practicing mindfulness gives us accurate data points. Now, I know that as attorneys, you all value accuracy. You value time and providing services for your clients in the way that's correct for them. You don't want to go down a, a trail of something that's not right because you didn't get the right data point. If you practice mindfulness, you can understand your internal landscape. You can know when you're off and when you're on. You can know when you are correct. So just like everything, this is, they call it a practice because you have to practice. So who knows how to do bicep curls? Yep. Okay. And who does them? <laughs> right. And I know how to do bicep curls. If I want big biceps, I can't just know how to do it. I also can't just, you know, on like Saturday, do 20 bicep curls and think that's going to work. So the solution is what I'm going to propose, what I'm going to suggest for you, if you think this is interesting, worth investigating for yourselves, is that you practice this on your own. You could pick a time, morning or evening, it doesn't really matter, whatever works in your life, maybe 10 minutes a day. Set your phone to be a timer so that you don't have to look at it. What happens when we look at our phone is we activate the activity part of our mind. And then the mindfulness part and the stillness part is nowhere to be found. So put your phone away, set the timer, bring yourself into a posture, check in with thoughts, check in with feelings, bring your attention to the breath, and just sit there. You'll get bored. Your knee will hurt. You'll think of all the things you need to be doing. No big deal. When that happens, you go, you could label it. You could say, oh, this is thinking and just come back to the breath. And over time, you will become more and more confident in your own data points, the correctness of your life. 
You won't be pushed and pulled by the things you like and don't like. Your blind spots, we all have them. Your blind spots will fade away because you're actually dealing with reality. See, this is the thing. When we have these, this push and pull, we have gotten really smart. Like, look at the world we live in. If I'm cold, I just put on a jacket. If I'm hot, I take it off. If I'm hungry, I get food, right? We know how to accommodate our lack of comfort. So we never have to engage with realizing actually what's going on. When we know what's going on, we have a bigger view of reality and we can manage that better. So a couple other things. You can practice this 10 minutes a day. I'd say make a commitment. Everybody here is pretty disciplined. Otherwise, you would not have gotten through what you've gotten through. Undergrad, law school, having a law practice, starting your own firms, thinking about starting your own firms, being part of the guild, all the things that you do, you couldn't do that without discipline. So apply that tool here, 10 minutes a day. After a couple weeks, if you feel interested, you could increase that to 15 minutes a day. So in the 12-step community, like in Alcoholics Anonymous, they say, when do you need a meeting? When do you need to go to an AA meeting? Does anybody know the answer to this? Okay, I'll say it so you don't have to. When you plan to go to a meeting, when you didn't plan to go to a meeting, and when all hell breaks loose. So when do you practice mindfulness? When you plan to practice mindfulness. When you plan to practice mindfulness, but something got in the way and is really, really busy. And when all hell's breaking loose. It will be the best 10 minutes you will spend in your day. All right, so a couple cautionary statements. This is not for the faint of heart. It requires an incredible amount of bravery to have this sort of a practice. Why? Because we have to meet all the crap that we don't like in our lives. We meet it about ourselves. We meet it about our partners. We meet it about the world. We meet it about our kids. We meet it about everything. All the stuff we don't like, we meet it and we accept it. So it requires some courage. It will broaden your world. It will take out your blind spots. It will give you correct data points. All of those, that's why I call it the most valuable tool. You're here learning all kinds of tools this few days. And those are all incredibly great tools, but they're in the realm of activity. You also need to understand that there's two other aspects of your mind. And I think you deserve to be able to access and utilize all three parts of your mind. So I wish you well. If anybody has a question about this, or you get into it and something goes awry, or whatever happens, you just get yourself in a pickle, please reach out to me and ask. And if you do that, let me know that you were here so I'll have the context of what we talked about. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your conference. I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.